Today's word of the day is fugazi. Fugazi. Adjective. Fraudulent, overrated, not worth being taken seriously. Josh, can you use it in a sentence? Sure. The Toronto Raptors are and have always been a fugazi basketball team. The dime starts now. You are now listening to The Dime with Josh Rodriguez, your weekly go-to podcast for all things NBA. Subscribe on iTunes or listen every week on thedimepodcast.com. And now, your host, Josh Rodriguez. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Dime. Steph is back. The Celtics never left and the Raptors well, they're just the Raptors. I'm Josh Rodriguez. You can follow The Dime on Twitter at The Dime NBA. Give the show five stars on iTunes and please leave a comment or review saying how much you love this podcast. You can also call into The Dime hotline and leave a question or comment to be aired on the show. 805-826-3463. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for me to introduce to you my guest, He's my co-host for the 10-Minute Drill, heard on the Ford Mile Podcast Network and the Flex on Vantrax on the Vantrax Podcast Network. Please welcome the very knowledgeable, my friend, AJ Kelly. What's up, man? Josh, what's going on, man? Thank you. First, let me say congrats on the on the podcast. I've been listening, obviously. It's great. I am honored to join you on this on this edition of The Dime. I wanted to – I know I texted you this before, but I wanted to – have an episode where like LeBron like had a horrible game or the Cavs got eliminated things like that but honestly I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon and I wanted to get you on so enough waiting let's do this man <laughs> let's let's get into it all I'm right ready. It's, it's been a while it has been a while it has been a while for those you who don't know I mentioned in the introduction AJ and I have our own podcast called the 10 minute drill it's not dead we just have different schedules and I'm sure when football season comes back around he and I will get into it along with our fantasy football podcast the flex on fan tracks but we're talking NBA today, and we're talking Raptors, Cavs, and I thought for sure. Listen, I'm not a believer in the Raptors at all, and you know this. I think they're fugazi. That's the word I used to describe them. But I thought they were going to win last night. You have LeBron, who's exhausted. You have rest. You have home court, and then on top of that, this is the best team we've had in the era of DeRozan and Lowry. I'm so shocked they didn't win last night. How did you? How did you take that game? I. I was stunned. Exactly like he just said, LeBron was dead. They're coming off this grueling seven game series against the Pacers and the Raptors. They took them six to beat the wizards. If I remember correctly, but you know that there were some close games in there, but it never really seemed like it was out of hand. You got the Raptors coming off the re- off of rest. You got the classic rest versus rust debate. Yeah. But exactly like you just said, LeBron is already saying about how tired he is. And rightfully so, after the Pacers series, right, rightfully so he played, almost every minute of that game seven, that was a a brutal series. And I jokingly texted you at one point when the Raptors were up 13, I said, Raptors in four. (laughs) You did. And And it went all downhill from there. But honestly, that's kind of like at points in the game, that's where it kind of looked. That's, I don't want to say that's where it looked like the series was headed, but that's where it looked like that game was headed. That yeah. the time the Raptors were up 13, they were making threes left and right. Lowry was knocking some down. CJ Miles was knocking down contested shots. And that's just where it looked like that game was headed. And it was like, okay, like you said, this was almost expected. That's what you thought. You know, I this is this game heaps more praise on the Cavs to come uh, to come off of that seven game series and go into Toronto like that and win this game. And I think it would speak more on the Cavs than it's easy for everyone to say same old Raptors. Like you said, Josh has been calling the Raptors for Daisy <laughs> for years. I honestly, I honestly think since I've known them. So if anybody else, if anybody out there like uses that phrase, you got to send Josh at least like five bucks. Yes. Because that's coined by now. Send me five bucks but, with that. And also when you use hindsight's 2020 as well, that's my other saying. Yeah. Those are, those are, those two are copyrighted by Josh Rodriguez. So <laughs> that's out, that's out there now. But yeah. I mean, Corver it's tough had to bo- say it's not the same old Raptors. I, it's, like you said. Yeah, it's tough. And and what breaks my heart, too, is AJ and I are both big fans of Fred Van Vliet. <laughs> Love him. I, Love I, it, it breaks my heart. He had to be the one to miss those, uh, I guess, game-time shots. I'm not... Not to totally discredit just him because, I mean, at the end of regulation, they had like six opportunities to score the basketball. So it wasn't just uh, Fred Van Vliet. But 
you know, this everyone made a big deal about this bench, and it's like, yeah, you have depth now, but at the same time, when it comes down to it, when you have to make a play at the end of the game, you're going to revert to what you've always been. And what you've always been is this isolation-heavy team that relies on these mid-range step-back jump shots or off-the-dribble three-pointers. Granted, Van Vliet, I did actually think he had a decent look. I thought he was going in when he shot it, because that's how much confidence I have in Van Vliet. But it's you just can't change the DNA of a team. I'm convinced of that. I'm actually going to have to disagree with you on Josh that I think teams can change their DNA. And I think that's what great teams can do. They can great teams can buck the trend. This is an NBA podcast and it's been year after year, but for an MLB reference, the Cubs DNA was to always choke in the playoffs and they hear the Cubs, they get all these young guys in and they, they bucked whatever it was that plagued them to not win a world series for over a hundred years. So I think that's, this is really the Raptors golden opportunity. Like you said, well, this has been this has been in their DNA, but this is something that they need to shed. This is something that Lowry, DeRozan, Lowry and DeRozan. I forget whoever, who was it that said, "There's not a monkey on my back." Was that Carmelo or was that Russ Westbrook a few years ago? I think that or was Melo. That, that that sounds really familiar. I think it might be Melo. That sounds familiar to me. So it might be like, Melo. Oh, there's not a monkey on my back, and it's like, well, guess what? There there is, and that was the playoffs. So that was a championship, and for. For the Raptors, the monkey on the back is the Cavaliers in the playoffs. They just can't seem to beat them. And it's just this is what they need to do. You know, they were the one seed basically the entirety of the regular seat. They were the entirety of the regular season. And with one swift move in the playoffs in a game one in a seven game series, all of a sudden they're back to the same old Raptors. Yeah, and honestly, when I say a team can't change their DNA, obviously like there's a difference between I'll just use your example with the Cubs. There's a difference between the nineteen twenties Cubs and even those the yeah. Cubs you know what I mean? But and the Cubs that, you know, Chris Bryan and and Rizzo, like it's you go through players and you change your DNA, but the DNA what I'm talking about is the DeRozan and the Lowry. Like that is your core. This is still the same core. It's not the Vince Carter Raptors. It's not the Tracy McGrady Raptors. So I'm not talking about those teams. I'm talking strictly about DeRozan, Lowry, and the way they play basketball and their dynamic. Now Dwayne Casey, he switched up the style this year. They're shooting more threes. They're moving the ball a little better at times. Their bench is better, but like I said, I I truly do believe that this is their DNA. They they've reached their ceiling, and there's Here's, nothing wrong with that. They're just not better than a LeBron-led team. They've reached their ceiling. This is their ceiling, which is Fugazi. So the thing that I'll agree with you about, like you said, DeRozan, Lowry, like they can't change their DNA. DeMar DeRozan, it's in his DNA to take fadeaway mid-range contested jump shots. Yes. And you've been on that for years. You were the, that's <laughs> that's been your biggest digressor of not being a DeMar DeRozan fan was his shot selection like that. And his DNA is what cost him cost the Raptors. Well, maybe not cost the Raptors the game last night, but down the stretch. So we both talked about being Fred Van Vliet supporters. We're big fans of Fred Van Vliet. He shouldn't take the flack for having to take that shot. Okay? No, I agree. It's not like it's not like the Raptors. I I saw a bunch a bunch of things. Everyone saying, "Oh, they didn't go to De, they didn't go to DeRozan. They didn't go to Lowry. They went with a, a three point shot from Fe, from Fred VanVleet." And it's like, well, they did go to DeRozan. He tried to break down whoever it was off the dribble. I forget who it was. Right, but he made the right pass. I'll give him credit. He did make the right pass, but. The point from DeRozan's DNA is that is his DNA took him to the fadeaway turnaround mid-range jump shot, not going hard to the basket when it looked like he might have had half a step on them right. to try to get a, a contested layup, contested nonetheless, but a contested layup or floater or something like that. He pivoted and he tried to hit a fadeaway jump shot or, look, or looked like he wanted to, and that's where he got caught and he had no choice but to kick it out to Fred Van Vliet. And what do you expect Fred Van Vliet to do in that situation? Not take that shot. I mean, he, he got it up there. It was a good look. It was up on the glass. And they had how many chances at that offensive rebound? I think they had five. Had I don't know how Valanchunas the Valanchunas had, one yeah, didn't yeah, fall. Same. That was bad. And but listen, I'm, it's not like the Raptors drew up that play for Fred Van Vliet to get the ball and bring it up the court, <laughs> and especially on a bum shoulder, which he, apparently he's not going to miss much time. But yeah. still. And I'm talking like the series is over. It's only one game, but that's how let like that's how little faith I have in the Raptors right now. It's you lost is, game one at home and you're down one zero, which is not an insurmountable lead. And I'm already chalking it up to Cavs win the series. That's it. It's over. I mean, LeBron had a horrible game last night. That was the worst game of the playoffs he's had all season. Isn't that amazing to say a twenty six point? What, what was that? A twenty six <laughs> point double. triple double. Twenty six yep. points. Yeah, thirteen assists. Twenty six, eleven, and thirteen. Yep. 
And, and worst, like you said, worst game of the season. Yeah, his worst game of the season, and it, it, it easily would have been the best high school game in my career if I if I could do that. But yeah, I mean, what what you can't beat the Cavs with LeBron having quote unquote his worst game. I mean, granted, Jr. and Corver had five threes each. Um, Jeff Green, I think, went four for four or something like that. Tristan Thompson, by the way, I don't understand why he's not getting more playing time. He didn't start last game after he helped you beat the Pacers, and then you put him back on the bench, and then Ty Lue doesn't really play him. Then all of a sudden he has this epiphany, like, oh, maybe he should play. Kind of saved the game for me as well. I, I, I don't understand Ty Lue. I do not get him. Um, I know a lot of people in the media defend him and his actions a lot. I, he makes no sense to me. I think he's a terrible coach. What, what, what are your thoughts on Ty Lue? Because he drives me up the wall. Yeah, I completely agree with that. There's, it's people have said, I've heard people say coaching LeBron has got to be the hardest job in sports, but it's like Ty Lue. I feel like LeBron can also make a coach look very good or at the same time, very bad at at whatever time. But Ty Lue, I I don't like him. I felt they kind of rushed things. I mean, this is years ago and they pushed David Blatt out the door, but yeah, obviously yeah. David Blatt hasn't done much for service. But it was like, oh, were they doing this because Ty Lue was supposed to be LeBron's guy? And Ty Lue doesn't seem like exactly like you said, like that great of a situational coach. At all. Like at, at all. They, they, there's, I, I don't get it. You know, Tristan Thompson helps you win the Pacer series, and then you don't start him this uh, this game. You're getting killed by Valanciunas, and then you don't. Uh, to start the third, I don't know if you remember, Valanciunas was just killing it inside. He scored, I think, seven, nine straight points. Then you don't put Tristan in. You put Tristan in when Valanciunas comes out the game, which is when you shouldn't have put him in, even though he did end up helping the Cavaliers win. I think Tristan needs to play big minutes in this series for the Cavs to do what they're doing. You know, you do have this thought where if you sur- surround LeBron James at shooters, it's kind of hard to stop because he's just going to drive and kick or do whatever he has to do. But people aren't hitting their shots aside from Korver and JR last game. Maybe having Tristan setting screens, I mean, he's not an offensive weapons, but it changes up the dynamic of the offense. Maybe you change your offense a little bit. He's better defensively. You have a rim protector there. You have someone who can grab rebounds aside from LeBron. I, it just doesn't make sense to me why he's not playing. I think Tyloo is, uh, he's a really bad coach. Like one of the worst coaches in the league. Personally, I, I, I think he is. I don't get Larry Nance. No minutes either. Same. I, like I, He's young, athletic. He's, Good rebounder. And like you said, when you're getting murdered on the boards by Valentinus, Valentinus had 21. He had 21 and 21. And it was like, so, but I felt like, so Valentinus felt like he was going to be an X factor for this series. And then we talked about Fred Van Vliet already, but I think his health and then him is an X factor. me off the bench. DeLon Wright played well in the Washington series, but I feel like Fred Van Vliet is just going to be more, you know, I feel like Dwayne Casey trusts him more in that yeah, situation. I do too. It's just a matter. It's going to be a lot of, with his health as well, they really kind of share the floor. But Van Vliet plays with Lowry and with DeRozan, with those other guys. But the X-Factors for the Cavs have got to be both Corver and Smith. And you touched on it earlier. They both make five threes last night. Uh, J.R. Smith, 20 points. Kyle Corver, 19. Kyle Corver played 38 minutes. So it's crazy. <laughs> if you're going to see – that's – if I didn't watch that game at all and just – I look at it. Kyle Corver playing 38 minutes tells me that the Cavs controlled the tempo of that game and they played the style of basketball they wanted to. Because if you look at the Raptors lineup, you're thinking Jonas Valanciunas, big man. Serge Ibaka can shoot the three, but he plays a lot down low. So if the Cavs are rolling out this starting lineup of J.R. Smith, Kyle Corver, George Hill, Kevin Love, and LeBron James, I expect Valanciunas to keep rolling out. He's not going to have 20 and 20 every game, but I expect him to keep rolling out big games. Yeah, I mean, you're giving up Valanciunas, but then... What's DeRozan doing? What's Lowry doing? I maybe Ty Lue's thinking is I rather just roll the dice and have Valanciunas beat us than Lowry and DeRozan beat us. Does that make sense? I don't know. But to me, just put Tristan in there and negate Valanciunas. And honestly, it helps defensively as well. Corver gets beat by his man. You have someone in the middle there to kind of rim protect a little bit. Maybe that's how the maybe that's how the Raptors plan to shed their DNA. They're going to let Jonas Valanciunas <laughs> beat the Cavs instead of relying on Kyle Lowry. There we go. Just to shift it a little bit. Now the Cavs get, obviously LeBron got help last game. What's their ceiling? I mean, I <laughs> I'm a LeBron truther. You know that. I it's hard for me to pick a team to beat the Cavs in any series aside from the finals, which would be the Warriors or Rockets. I can't see a team in the East beating them. Um, aside from maybe the Sixers right now, I think they win this series against the Raptors. And I think the general consensus was that the Sixers are going to end up beating the Cavs if they do play each other. But if Corver can give you this, if JR can give you this, if Tristan can give you this, and you get 
anything from love. Do you think they're the favorites again? If they could kind of turn this around in this series, let's just say they win this series in five and Corver looks good. JR looks good. Love looks good. Tristan looks good. All of a sudden, are the Cavs favorites? Like, would you pick them over the Sixers or even the Celtics? We'll get into that series later. But would you consider them the favorites? Because honestly, I don't know if this is me being a LeBron truther. I don't know if I'd pick the Celtics or Sixers over a Cavs team when LeBron's clicking and so are his role players. I'm not ready to say that they're the favorites yet just based off their body of work that we've seen through the regular season and through that first series with the playoffs. And the Raptors, I don't think they're going to go 0 of 11 down the stretch for many more games this season. So just think about that. If the Raptors make – if ifs and buts were candy and nuts. But if they make <laughs> one more of those shots, a tip-in or a layup or anything like that, we're singing a different song, and it's not the same old Raptors anymore now. It's, oh, the Raptors just – knocked off the Cavs. This this game was really a lose-lose situation for the Raptors, the way I look at it, because if they lose the game like they did, it's they're done. They they can't beat the Cavs. LeBron is LeBron's their kryptonite. Le, LeBron seems to be everyone's kryptonite. How there's really no shame in that. But and then on the other hand, if they would have won the game even handily, if they would have won the game by say 15 points, you say, "Oh, it's a it's a beat-up Cavs team after that yeah. seven-game series. They, they were supposed to win this game. So you go from a game that you were supposed to win to a game that you now lost on your home court. I'm not like I'm not ready to jump ship on the Raptors just yet because it's one game like that. They shot 0 for 11 down the stretch. They turned the ball over, what, 13 times. The Cavs only turned the ball over five times. The Cavs made 14 threes. To, the Cavs made 14 threes to the Raptors, nine threes. So – I feel like water finds its level. I feel like that's going to happen more around this game. I fully expect the Raptors to take game two. And then it's just in, in a world of hot takes, it's always about what is flashy for the next morning. Right. And the flashy thing for the flashy thing for this morning was it's the Raptors again. Yeah. And that's to me. Yeah, so I get that. I, I'm not going to overreact yet. I mean, if the Cavs would have gone out and beaten them by 30, okay, then maybe it's the <laughs> Raptors again. But a one-point game in overtime like that, like you said, it's still LeBron. It's that's LeBron. If if the Raptors are going to win this series, though, I think it has to be in six. I think they have to win game two, and I think they have to win game three on the road in Cleveland. They have to take home court back because if this gets to a game seven, we saw LeBron game seven against Indy. If this gets to a game seven, that's when I think the Raptors could be in trouble. If they're going to win this series, I think it has to be six. I agree with you on that. I also think they win game two. I do. I, I As much as I get on the Raptors, as hard as I am on the Raptors, I I cannot picture this team losing two in a row at home to the to the Cavs. I, I just can't see it happening. I, I do think this is the best Raptors team out of all the Fugazi Raptors teams. But you got home court here. You got to win one. There's no way they're getting swept. Because if they lose two at home, then sweep starts. Like, the, the thought of a sweep starts happening, I think they start to panic. And then who knows what happens from there. There's no way they lose game two. And I said this about game one. There's no way they lose game one with home court advantage and the Cavs being as tired as they are. And they lost. Granted, it took some historical stuff for, you know, for the Raptors to lose. I, I had this same feeling going into game two. I'm picking the Raptors in game two. Who are you taking? I'm taking the Raptors for game two as well. All right. Sounds good. Let's move on to the other Eastern Conference series. The Celtics laid the smack down on the Sixers. I, To my surprise, at least. I I don't know if I would have said I'd been surprised that the Celtics won game one, but in the fashion they won it was remarkable to me. They won 117 to 101. For whatever reason, whoever Brad Stevens puts out there just totally kills it. Terry Rozier is going to get a huge contract uh, whenever he's a free agent. Is it this year? Is he a free agent this year? Or is it next so, year? Yeah. yeah, so he's going to cash in and play on some mid-level team and, and uh, G them out of their salary cap space for no reason. Um, but, you know, I, do, I don't hear anybody taking the Celtics seriously as a team that can win the Eastern Conference. And the more I watch them, the more I'm like, why not, you know? Especially the Cavs revert to what they've been in the Indiana Pacers series. Like, if you beat the Sixers, why can't you beat the Raptors or a depleted Cavs team? This, it's just mind-blowing to me that the Celtics are still this good. Like you said, they just beat this Sixers team that have had lost – they lost, what, one of their last 18 games, yep. I think, dating back to the regular season? And they smacked them. Yeah, and they didn't. They dominated that game. Dominated. Rozier, Rozier. Um, 
obviously Brown didn't play. Rozier, Tatum, Horford, what, they combined Horford had, had like, 26, yeah. 27, and 29 points or something like that, yeah. I believe. I read a stat that said Horford, like, yeah, Horford. They had um, like a combined 79 points, and in no point at any time during the Big Three era with Pierce, Garnett, and Allen did they have more than 77, which blew my freaking mind. It's like <laughs> yesterday those three had a better game than any game the Big Three has ever had. That's insane. That's an insane stat. It's Brad Stevens is the second best coach in the NBA, and he was the second the Celtics hired him. That's a, he. What he does, no Kyrie, no Hayward, no Jalen Brown the other night, and they they put out this good of a product night in, night in, and night out. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, and I, I don't know what to make of it. Isaiah Thomas obviously was a flash in the pan, which is making me think about Terry Rozier. Do you think he's a flash in the pan, or do you think this guy's the real deal? No, he I he looks like he has staying power. I mean, and this is what it's funny because the trades for Paul, the trades for Paul George, the trades for Jimmy Butler, the trades for rumored Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, all these big names that had surrounded the Celtics for the last two years. Everything in the news was Terry Rozier is the block in the road. He's right. what holding he's what's holding it up. And it was like. What? Why is this Terry <laughs> Rozier? This is before. This is before he took on the whole scary Terry demeanor. <laughs> scary Terry. But, and now it's like, why is this guy holding up these trades? And now here he is, balling out, twenty nine points. But I, I don't think he's a flash in the pan. He just, he looks like he has more staying power to me. But he's gonna. D- is this going to be a situation where it's like the Celtics are the perfect fit? Brad Stevens gets through to this. Brad Stevens gets through to him and just works well with him. He's going to demand money in the open market. Oh, absolutely. That's and he's going to sure. get it. He's so absolutely going to get it. Is is this going to be a situation where he, where he's going to chase money and maybe doesn't is, – is it because he's surrounded by guys like Jalen Brown, obviously not the other night, but throughout the course of the season, surrounded by Jason Tatum, who – how about the fact that Jason Tatum, a rookie, having as good of a season as he is, and it's just like an afterthought for the Rookie of the Year award. That's true. Isn't that insane? That is true. I mean, you, uh, that's how good Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons have been, has been. But Jason was getting talk earlier in the season. I just think that, you know, the team aspect of the Celtics, you can't just really point to one person, whereas you can argue that Ben Simmons carried the Sixers during that win streak without Embiid. You can I can say you can argue. You, you have to point out the fact that Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell basically carried the Jazz and was their leader, and Tatum just kind of fit in. And any other year, he's obvi- – I mean – Brogdon won Rookie of the Year <laughs> last year. I mean, any of the year, he's Rookie of the Year or second. He, he just kind of came into the wrong class. This is one of the better classes we've seen in a long time. But I want to give love to Al Horford, man. I don't know what you think of Al Horford, but I think it's time that we show him some love. This man is completely underappreciated and underrated. He plays great defense. He takes the right shots at the right times. He can hit a jump shot he can take it to the hoop he can pass he can set screens he does everything correctly he is one of the most underrated big men in the league and nobody talks to him and when people do talk about him they talk about him like he's trash and I don't get it I don't know if it's because of the hype he had in Atlanta him being an all-star maybe people thought he was gonna be better than he actually turned out to be but he to me he's one of the best big men in the league and it's not even close you could argue he he, he's the best I, don't, I wouldn't say he's the best player in this series but he sure as hell can be that he can play that he has that potential and I think the Celtics can win and if they do win it's gonna be in large part to Al Horford 10 for 12 from the field <laughs> seven rebounds four assists 26 points it's hard to argue those numbers and it's funny so I was talking to one of my friends biggest Sixers fan I know and he he said it he said Al Horford's gonna have some tricks up his sleeve for game one with Embiid he's gonna know what to do with him he's gonna know how to play and Embiid still had Embiid still had 30 points yeah Embiid was awesome Al Horford was on the winning end of that throughout throughout the game and my friend that I talked to he made he pointed out a good thing so he's like I said biggest one of the biggest Sixers fans I know I said are the Sixers gonna win the East to him he said no really he he said, he said, you know why? Because they turned the ball over 26 times in one game against the Heat. He said championship teams or teams that win conferences don't turn the ball over 26 times against teams that aren't expected to contend for conference champion for conference championships like like that. And now the Sixers had 12 turnovers last night or not last night, the other night, but the Celtics have 10, but it's just like the six, the Celtics seem like they're just more, I'm still picking the Sixers to win this, win this series. I don't want, I don't want to stray away from that. Yeah. 
But the Celtics, like you said, like we've said before, they just seem like they're better coached. They're more of a team. They seem like they run like more of a well-oiled machine. Whereas if Ben Simmons goes out or if Joel LMB goes out for a break, the Sixers are kind of relying on chucking up some shots and getting them to fall, which they have the guys to make them fall. They have JJ Redick, Marco Bellinelli. Um, so Ilyasova can step out and shoot. They have these guys that can shoot Covington, but Listen to the numbers the other night for this for the Sixers. Sarich over four from three. Covington right. over four over four from three. Um, Ilyasova over three. Redick was two for seven. The Sixers made five threes the other night. But is that going to happen again? That's the thing. I mean, I don't know if game one was an aberration, but the Sixers are not usually that cold from three. I feel pretty comfortable saying that the Sixers are going to make more than five threes in each game for the remainder of the yeah. series. Yeah, that's just uh, you're going to get your looks. The shots are going to fall. It's the, like talked about a little bit with the Raptors, the rest versus rust. It seemed very clear to me that the Sixers in that, in that case, it was rust. Yeah. The Celtics, the Celtics hit 17, three, 17 for 35, 48%. Yeah, that's not happening. And that's not happening again. And to me, it's like, you know, no Kyrie, no Hayward, no Jalen Brown in game one. At what point does the lack of talent, I don't even say lack of talent, because it's not like the Celtics don't have talent right now, but at, at what point does that catch up with them? you got to figure it catches up with them. I'm huge on chemistry. Listen, any, you can talk to anybody. If you listen to this podcast, you know by now that I love team basketball, and I, I think chemistry is a big deal, but I also recognize how much talent comes into it. If you don't have the players, you can't win, period. I, mean, I, I love the Utah Jazz. I think they have good chemistry. I think they're a well-built team, but there's no way in hell they're beating the Rockets because they don't have the talent. At what point does the talent or lack thereof catch up to the Celtics? Because honestly, you know, as much as I I, I just praised Al Horford, as much as I like Terry Rozier and I like Jalen Brown and I like Jason Tatum, you can make the case, and I think it's, I wouldn't say it's not debatable, but it's pretty consensus that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are the two best players in this series. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. So you have the two best 100%. players. Yeah, you have the two best players in the series on one side. When does that catch up to you if you're the Celtics? I think the Celtics already caught that because you look back in the Bucks series, you can argue that the Bucks had the two best players in that series. That's true. Obviously, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton is very underrated. I, so he had a coming out party. Even though they lost that, the series, I think I think the basketball world was put on notice this series against the Celtics with Chris Middleton. Yeah, Middleton is very good, very underrated, and. Um, we've said that, like, I know, but we've mentioned that before too, but so you can argue that the Bucks in that series had the two best players on the floor. Yeah. At, and that's my thing. So I, at what point does that one. catch up? What, at what point does that catch up to the Celtics though? You know, at what point can you not have the most talent on the floor and that catch up to you and that be your demise? Because you're right. The last two, last series, the two best players were on the Bucks, and it didn't catch up to the Celtics. Would it catch up to them this series? I mean, I had the Sixers and six. So my answer is yes. Not so confident, and after game one, I have to see how game two, uh, game two plays out. You know, if you're Philadelphia, you just got to win one in Boston, they say. But, you know, Brad Stevens, he seems like he's the new Greg Popovich, so. I, I do think this is where it's going to catch up to him. I mean, you're right. I, like I said earlier, I, I, I picked the, Celtic, or the Sixers to win this series, and I'm still picking the Sixers to win this series. So if you want to say the, the lack of talent, if you will, when's it catch up to him, I'm going to – I will say this series. Okay. But it's – and it's not even like you look at this roster, the Celtics, and it's like they're just so – you might look at a roster like that where you have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid making their first playoff appearances, and you would think, okay, maybe they're not as experienced and you do that. But it's just – that's not what the, that's not the Celtics' case because you look on the flip side of that roster, Jason Tatum, obviously a rookie. Now, Al Horford has the experience, but Terry Rozier, like the Celtics' roster isn't flush with guys that have the playoff experience either where you can credit that – to saying, oh, they know playoff basketball or they've been there before outside of Al Horford. So that's like the only thing where you might be able to look at that and say that's a really a huge discrepancy between them and the Sixers, but you really can't do that, And which is why, I, like, you, like you said, I think the lack of talent, for lack of a better word, yeah. is, is going to catch up to them. So do you think that Sixers win uh, game two? Because I think they pretty much have to. I wouldn't say have to have to. I don't know if I classified as a must-win game, but you got to split. If you're the road team, I think to obviously increase your chances of winning the series. So do you think they win game two? I do think they win game two, but I don't think they have to. I think, I mean, we saw it in the Bucks series. Celtics won the first two, and then the Bucks went home, and they obliterated them in game three, and then they ended up forcing seven. And the home team won every game in that series. Right. Saying when the series starts when the road team wins a game. So 
I do think the Sixers will win game two, but I don't think it's a must, a must win for them in any situation of the word, because I think they can, I think they can come home. We just saw the Celtics lose three, three consecutive road games to the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think the Sixers are better than that. So yeah, I'm with you on that, too. I mean, that's the one thing I took away from the Bucks series with the Celtics is how bad they played on the road, especially Terry Rozier. They used to different play on the road as well. Uh, that's why I think if the Sixers just can just just win one, just win one in Boston. I think you go home to Philly, you win both in Philadelphia. I think I wouldn't say easy, but I do think that they have an easier time with the Celtics in Philadelphia. Maybe you lose game five back in Boston and just close it out in Philadelphia in six. I think that's their road right now. So let me ask you a question. Let's do it. Next five years, which team would you rather be, the Celtics or the Sixers? Okay. <laughs> um, I, I'm, this is tough. I'm going to say the Sixers because I think Ben Simmons eventually – I'm not putting him on LeBron's level, but I think he's going to take over as the best player in the league. Just needs to learn how to shoot. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take years. It's going to take maybe like four or five, maybe six years before we're calling Ben Simmons the best player in the league. But if you're going to have him, and then on top of that, Joel Embiid, who honestly, you can make the case maybe he's going to be the best player in the league in two years. I, I would, And they have cap space right now. I would take the Sixers. I, I think they're an unfinished product. I think that the Celtics are closer to winning a championship than the Sixers are. Granted, the Sixers might go further this year, if that makes any sense. I still think the, the Celtics can bounce back next year and then easily be the favorites in the Eastern Conference next year. If you have a healthy Kyrie, a healthy Hayward, who knows what the ceiling is for this team. But I think long-term, I'm going Philadelphia. I, I, I just think Embiid and Simmons is too much. I don't. Covington's a nice piece. You know, Bellinelli's probably not going to be around a while. Ilya Sova's not going to be around a while. You know, you have to think about who's going to be available for the Sixers long-term. I don't know what Fultz is going to be, but... If you give me Embiid and Simmons, I, I don't think there's any other duo in the league I'd rather take. What about you? I actually agree with you on that, but it was a tougher decision than I thought it was going to be. When I first when, when that first came across, I was like, oh, Sixers, easy. Like, no doubt. Like, exactly like you just said, Embiid and Simmons. But then I thought about it, and it was like, the Celtics are this good. They have Gordon Hayward, who just signed a four-year deal with a 50-year player option, I think it was, his deal. Yeah. I think so. They still have Kyrie Irving, and then they have, obviously, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. They have these young guys, but like we said about Rozier, Rozier is going to demand money in the open market when he hits free agency, and who knows if these guys will take – I mean, we can't predict if anybody on the Sixers or the Celtics will take these home – will take a hometown discount or will want to stay with the team to sign like that. That's true. And then you look forward a little bit – for the picks too. I mean, the picks are where it gets really complicated. I feel like the Celtics traded so many goddamn draft picks where it's like <laughs> my, my, my mind's like running, yeah. running laps trying to figure out which ones they get with all the protections or everything. Yeah. But 2018 first round pick from the Lakers. I think that's going to end up going to the Sixers. Like I'm just looking at the thing that has the picks or their picks. The Celtics get the pick. If it falls between two and five, the Celtics get the pick in 2018. If not, the Celtics get it in 2019. Okay. And then Sixers and Kings like have the right to swap picks this year or something like that. There's just so much. It's funny because all this confusion feels like it's surrounded by like the trade for Markel Fultz and that, or like everything like that. It's just there's so much correlation between. Right. But the thing with this is so the Celtics, we don't need to go in de- into details with the draft picks, but they have this locked and loaded firepower of draft picks. And they've proven to draft well. They took Jalen Brown at three, and he was kind of a question mark coming out of Cal to some people. And he really burst onto the scene this year. They took Jason Tatum at three. Not only did they take Jason Tatum at three, they traded down out of one, let the Sixers take Markel Fultz, who proved to be a problem this year, injury-related, so really through no fault of his own, I guess I would say. But then they take Jason Tatum at three, who looks like he's who's going to be a stud. So the Celtics have this track record of drafting well. So if they have this plethora of picks throughout years to come, I trust the Celtics and Danny Ainge to get those right, and I trust Brad Stevens to get those picks. I know it feels like everything I just said maps out to me rather being the Celtics for the next five years, but the prowess of the comparison, like you said, the comparison that you can make from Ben Simmons to LeBron James and being able to dominate the game as much as he has in his rookie season without having a jump shot, that's scary for years to come. And I think that's going to be something that oh, I'm always going to lean that way. Yeah, uh, I'm actually going to put this on a poll 
I'm, I'm on, on the Twitter, the Dime Twitter, the Dime at NBA, which roster would you rather have for the next five years, the Celtics or Sixers? And then I'll report back next episode. I, I think that's a good question to ask ask the listeners. Uh, yeah, listen, to me it's Ben Simmons, if he's, not, if he's the next face of the league, I just think that answers your question right there. You could break down draft picks all you want, but if you have someone who is the best player in the league alongside the best big in the league, it's hard to steer from that. And I, I'm interested to see what people say uh, on and the you, poll. And you get the argument with, oh, the Celtics have all this firepower and draft picks and young guys they can trade. They can get like a Kawhi Leonard maybe or something like that. So now Kawhi Leonard's name has been thrown around with the Sixers and the Celtics. But my argument to that is – the Celtics have had the opportunity to trade for so many of these star power names with their young with their young guys or with their and assets. They kind of have. They got they got Kyrie, and they, and they haven't done it. So what makes? Why would they do it now? True. If they're not going to go out and get a Paul George or get a Jimmy Butler, what makes you think? What like? Why would they say? Okay, now we need to go trade Jason Tatum and two picks for Kawhi Leonard. Right. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they'll do that. I, I think they're very comfortable where they're at next year. I think that they um. I think they know that they're favorites next year if they win. I mean, if they if everyone comes back healthy, I think they are their favorites next year in the East. You have an older LeBron, you have a young Sixers team who knows what they're going to look like. I think the Sixers will be a sexy pick for a lot of people to make the finals next year. But just the simple fact that the Celtics have made it this far without their two best players, I think it says everything about the Celtics. Along with Brad Stevens, is on everyone's radar now. Now everybody knows who Brad Stevens is. He's the best coach in the Eastern Conference right now. I, I think next year. Once the season's over and Vegas comes out with the odds, the Celtics are the favorites to win the championship. Not the championship, to win the East. Josh, we were both actually just in Vegas, so I had this is, <laughs> I, so I realized this when I was there. I realized it too late. So at Caesars, at any hotel under Caesars, you cannot bet the Celtics because someone on the board of directors for Caesars Entertainment is a partial owner of the Celtics. And at the Golden Nugget, you cannot bet the Rockets. What? Okay? So if you go to the Golden Nugget and you bet the Celtics to win the NBA title – and you go to any of the Caesars hotels and you bet the Rockets to win the NBA title and the Rockets and Celtics play for the NBA title, you win both bets. Wow. That's crazy. So anybody's <laughs> out there in Vegas, listen. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Western Conference. The Warriors lead the Pelicans 2-0. They won 121-116. Steph returned. He dropped 28 points in 27 minutes. And listen, he played great. And I understand that you won him on the floor. But to me, you need Stephen Curry, and one of my best friends told me this, and I think he made a great point. You need Steph for one series, and that's the Western Conference Finals. Period. That's it. You don't need him for the Finals. I think no matter who they play in the Finals, they're going to beat without Stephen Curry. You need Steph for one series, the Western Conference Finals against the Houston Rockets. Why would you bring him back this early? It doesn't make sense to me. Would you, yeah, br- honestly, would you, would you have brought him back? Especially the, way, especially the way you won game one. You killed, you destroyed the Pelicans. Not not saying that every game is going to be like that, but it should give you the confidence that, hey, listen, we can win this series without Steph. Let's work Steph back in slowly, and let's make sure he's 100% to, uh, against the Houston Rockets. It, it made no sense to me why they brought him back. You know, but he was Steph. He dropped 28 points, like I said, in 27 minutes, off the bench, looking fine to me. Um, they lead 2-0. I think the series is over, and you got to wonder in hindsight, why did anybody even think that the Pelicans had a shot? Yeah, I, that's that. The Pelicans swept the Blazers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. this is a completely different animal. Maybe, maybe the Pelicans steal one at home. But the series is over in no less than no more than five. I should say no yeah. more than five. Yeah, he I said. Agree. Why rush? I mean, Steph. He he was pretty damn eager to shoot that ball when he he came in. Obviously, Oracle erupted. He came off a screen, firing right away. Nothing but net. First shot. Place went. <laughs> bananas. He was he's he was ready to go. He's so there's made, no yeah. doubt in my mind that he's itching to play basketball. But that's a that's his basketball player persona say like saying that and being ready. That's not his. Oh, you know maybe my knee's not at a hundred percent. Did you did you hear the comments Charles Barkley said about Draymond Green? Ah, uh, Team Chuck. Team Your Chuck. team Chuck on that? I mean. I, listen, I'm I, not a big Draymond Green fan. I know you're I, not. Oh, yeah, we, I, actually, we, Adrian and I had a, when we were doing the 10 minute drill last year, we, we made fun of Draymond Green. We remember the over unders we had in the finals, how many crotch kicks he would have. That was funny. <laughs> he just, uh, yeah, yeah, I took the over. I was wrong. You took, it was one and a half. It was one and a half. Fame, and I didn't listen back then. I took the over. You took the under. Yeah. You were you were right on that one. He honed, he honed it in. But at, at, honestly, the way Draymond responded to Chuck, I, I understand where he's coming from. I was like, yeah, keep your name at my mouth, man. You're retired. That's, like you're an I can't fault Draymond Green for that because he is 100% right in, the, yeah. in everything he came back and said. 
Yeah. His, his mom even defended him on Twitter too. And more power, more power to her for that because it's, it's, I feel like I want to, like I said, I was team Chuck, but like, maybe that's just because like, I don't, I don't like Draymond Green flexing after making every layup or, anything, <laughs> or like things like that, that he, things like that, that he does. But Draymond has every right to say what he said. I will say that. Oh uh, yeah, he absolutely to does. Back, to come back and say that one, 100% because that's, it's, it's not like he came out here and just started bashing Charles Barkley, but yeah, I, I'm team Draymond on this, man. I know you don't like Draymond, but I, I would, I don't know if I reacted the same way Draymond reacted just because it's Charles Barkley, and Charles Barkley would beat the shit out of me. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not as confident in uh, physical confrontation with Charles Barkley. But I understand I feel where like Draymond coming. Green might be a little more. <laughs> I feel he, he might be a little more confident than you and I are in the whole confrontation with yeah. Charles Barkley yeah. category. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the thing is about the Warriors. I'm trying to find topics. I, this whole podcast, I've been trying to find topics to talk about the Warriors, and I just can't. Like, as good as they are, they're so boring to me right now. They're so freaking boring. There's nothing to talk about. You talk about yes. Steph, you know, he's back now, so it's not you, you can't talk about his injury. You're going to speculate how he is when he comes back. All right, well, he dropped 28 in 27 minutes. It's almost like with the Western Conference, even with the Rockets and the Jazz, it's, you know, what to expect in game two. I expect the Rockets to win because they're that much better. There's no Rubio. Is it worth paying attention to the Rockets and the Jazz? Is it worth paying attention to the Warriors and Pelicans? At this point, I'm just waiting for the Western Conference Finals to start. It, it, it's To me, it's just it's boring conversation to talk about either one of these two teams. Yeah, I mean, the Warriors are so frustrating to me because it's like they're so just uh, like – there's, they're very easy to not like, and it's like I like watching the Warriors lose. I hope the Rockets beat them, like you said. It's Warriors-Rockets is the Western Conference Finals. I hope the Rockets beat them. Yeah. But then it's like I really watch the Warriors play basketball, and it's like, damn, that is perfect is perfect basketball. It's beautiful. You, it's everything that you said about um, when you talked about Damian Lillard and his shot selection, taking all the threes, fadeaway threes, and you, you mentioned how the Warriors – get all these threes and they revolutionize the game taking the threes, but they get good looks within their offense. Right. It was just, there was a, there was a, a span. It was game one of this Pelican series. There was a stretch. It was 39, 39. And it was like four consecutive uh, possessions for the Warriors. They came down, they ran an offense and the offenses ended up in a Kevin Durant open three made in a clay Thompson, um, and a Kevin Durant skip pass to Clay Thompson fading a screen made it. And then the next time Clay Thompson comes off a double screen, Etwan Moore and Drew Holiday both jump the screen to go with Clay Thompson, and it ends in a wide open Andre Iguodala slam dunk. And it's just like they they're so frustrating because of how good they are. But as a basketball fan, it's like you can watch them run an offense just anytime you need to. And like any, it's just like uh, yeah, and that's the said well oiled machine with Celtics, but. The Warriors. the Warriors are the epitome of that. And I think people get confused because you fall in love with the Steph Curry highlight with him, like dancing in the perimeter, step back three-pointer, because he can do that. But people forget he's the best shooter ever. He's the freaking best shooter ever. You can't do that on a consistent basis. He's the only player in the world who could do that on a consistent basis. And honestly, most of his threes aren't like that. He maybe has one or two of them a game where he does that. But if Steph hits seven threes, they're mostly catch and shoot off a of ball movement. Clay, same thing, off of ball movement, in rhythm, moving the ball, driving kick. And and teams like the Blazers, like Damian Lillard, you just come out, you just come down and jack a three, step back three, step back three. You know, it, it, Paul George, he did it all series against the Jazz. His shot selection was awful. He, It looks good when you're hitting the threes. In game one, he had eight threes. But, you know, only Steph Curry is, he's, he's honestly the only player in the world I trust taking an off-the-dribble three on a consistent basis. And I'm even talking about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant threes aren't. You know, he's walking into, he's running into a three or, or catching and shooting a three. And it blows my mind how people just don't even realize this. Like, they are just poetry in motion. I know a lot of people, you know, like to give Mark Jackson credit for where the Warriors are right now because he kind of took him from being irrelevant to a playoff team. But what Steve Kerr has done with this team, he's made, he's, it, it's more than revolutionized the game. It's, it's completely changed the game. It's completely changed it. And everything I said about Al Hor- you said about Al Horford earlier, and I said, yeah, it's hard to argue stats. And now I talked about not liking Draymond Green, but I think he had a triple-double in game one, if I'm not mistaken. And here, game two, 20 points, 12 assists, nine rebounds. Like, it's 
And the, and he's the fourth best player on the team. It's unbelievable. And they're an amazing defensive team as well. They can play defense. When they clamp down, there's there's few teams that are you can even compare to, to the won, Warriors. They win. They won last night by five, and Steph Curry was the only person on the team that made more than two threes. Unbelievable. And it's like I remember. I think it was last year. Clay Thompson's like sixty point game where he had sixty points, but he only had like eleven dribbles. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's bad. It's like, no, that just means he's just getting the shot. He's just getting the ball ready to shoot. Like, why? That's not a bad thing. That's just means the offense is a well-oiled machine to me. That's the way I look at yeah, it. That's just like that's the epitome of the Warriors. Exactly. They're not only the most talented team in the league. You can argue right, them or maybe the Celtics. They're they're probably the smartest team in the league as well. They rarely take bad shots. If they do take bad shots, it's a bad shot with KD or Steph, and you trust it's going in. Oh, those really bad shots, right? Yeah. So it, it's like they're just unbelievable. I I know last year I said they're the best team. They they are probably the best team I've ever seen. I know it's they don't have the record to show for it. Last year when they won, I'm like, who? What team in history beats them? Honestly, what team in history beats them in a seven game series? Don't give me the Bulls. They have no. no, no there's you're no. Right. You're 100 right. There's no way with the amount of threes that this team hits, the math just doesn't add up. The only team that can beat them is the Houston Rockets, just because they hit so many threes. But because they, they'll take the same amount. Exactly, and they can hit them. That's going to be such a fun series. But honestly, if Steph is healthy, I I, I can't see the Rockets uh, beating them four out of seven times. I don't know. It's it's tough, <laughs> it's, it's tough to say, but. It, it's tough to predict. I feel like I, I really want to see what happens. Yeah, like right now with the way Steph played coming off of game one, coming off of this first game back, game two against the Pelicans here. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to, but my head is saying you're exactly right. Yeah, that this Warriors team, it, like yeah, Chris Paul, James Harden, that's not going to be enough to compete with this healthy Steph. Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, yeah. Damon Green. There's it's just, it's going to be too much. I do think Anthony Davis will will the Pelicans to one win though. I, think I hope Anthony you're right. Davis is, I think Anthony Davis is too good. I, I think he is too, but I, I just think the Pelicans are a little too thin, um, especially at the three position. When you have Etwan Moore starting, it's it's kind of <laughs> brutal. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of brutal. Uh, AJ, before I get out of here, I don't have much time. I'm recording here at Afterbus Studios. Thanks to Kevin Undergaro on Afterbus for letting me use their studios. I, we have this a group chat, and you and our friend Josh Veltri go at this all the time. Rookie of the year. Oh, <laughs> here we go. This is something I've brought up, at, I think, on every episode of my podcast. I've gotten to a lot of debates about this. Now, I want to hear your side about your your team, Ben Simmons, right? I am I am full on team Ben Simmons. Okay, so this is what and I'm. Gonna... I, I I only need one argument. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm gonna ask you why and then i'm going to save this clip and i'm going to play it for veltry because veltry's going to be a guest on the show as well i'm going to play okay. it for him and i'm going to have him respond to what you say so aj right now you're talking to josh veltry who's a donovan mitchell advocate for rookie of the year what are you saying to him 2010 blake griffin rookie of the year not only rookie of the year in the year after he not his draft class season he received every single first place vote so it was not a big deal then to clamor on and say someone someone isn't a rookie because he was sure he was head and shoulders above the rest of that draft class. No offense to Landry Fields. I know you got mad about that last oh, yeah, time I said I did. that. I did. But it has already happened. The precedent has been set. You cannot make the argument to me, you cannot make the argument and say, okay, he's not a rookie because he was drafted a year ago, so he cannot win Rookie of the Year when that exact same situation has already happened. Ben Simmons' play has been better than Donovan Mitchell to me, so you cannot say that Donovan Mitchell should win the Rookie of the Year on a technicality. Mm. All right, Veltri. You're next. Whenever I have you on, man. I, I... <laughs> AJ, and that's, not, that's not to take anything away from Donovan Mitchell. He has oh, he's had phenomenal. a spectacular season. He's phenomenal. But it's just like it's not even the factor of the point. It's not Ben Simmons hasn't played well. Everyone is, oh, Ben Simmons isn't a rookie. The Celtics, they chanted that at him, not a rookie, not a rookie. He is a rookie. He didn't play a single minute in the NBA before this season. It's not his fault he broke his foot. That's true. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I know a lot of Donovan Mitchell advocates, though. I actually was on an after show. Oh, I wouldn't say after show, but after buzz here has an nba playoff review go check it out i was a guest on last week's episode and i got attacked 
I got this attacked. is one of those things I would go down <laughs> swinging on. Yeah, I got I got attacked for for wanting Ben Simmons, and I mean you can check the video out yourself. I thought their arguments were really ridiculous, but the point is, if it's the rule, if you're if if by definition Ben Simmons is a rookie, then Ben Simmons is the rookie of the year. Period. If you're going to argue the rule, take it up with the rules committee or take it up with everything at anybody else. But if we're talking what the definition of a rookie is according to the NBA, then Ben Simmons is a rookie. Period. That's it. It's not even just taking it up with the rule, too. It's taking it up with the fact that this exact situation has already gone down. Yes, exactly. And you bring up a good point with Blake Griffin. I all first place votes. No one gave a damn except for me who wanted Landry Fields. I was screaming in the forest by myself about that. And no one cared. And now people care. Look at that. Would you go look at that? AJ, it's been awesome, man. Thanks for coming on. I wish we had more time. Um, where can people find you on Twitter? AJ Kelly76. Yep, AJ Kelly 76. You got it. Yeah, AJ Kelly 76. AJ and I, we do have a podcast called The 10 Minute Drill. Hopefully, we get that started soon, probably around football season, AJ. I mean, NBA season's ending. We're not going to do baseball. I'll just tell you flat. (laughs) We're not not big uh, baseball. But AJ and I are also big fantasy football fans, and we have a a fantasy football podcast called The Flex. It's on the Fantrax Podcast Network, which is actually blowing up a bit. So go check that out as well. AJ, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure, man. Josh, thanks for having me. Oh, I had a great time. And I put the I put the poll up, um, and right right away it's getting votes. Sixty seven percent would rather the Celtics for the next five years. Okay, okay. Let's see where this let's see where this takes you for your next episode. Yeah. You can touch on it with your next guest. Yes, sir. All right, AJ. Thanks for joining me, guys. You can follow the Dime at the Dime NBA. Rate and subscribe on iTunes. Give it five stars. All that good stuff. You can call into the Dime Hotline eight zero five eight two six three four six three. It's been a pleasure. I do not know who my next guest is going to be, but hopefully it's sometime during the weekend, if not definitely on Monday. Until then, enjoy the playoffs and take care. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.